Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations, a podcast by practical e-commerce. What's going on? Internet, Eric Van Holtz back again with another e-commerce conversations. I hope all is going well on the other side of the internet. On the other side of the table from me, Brandon Ely, two big feet. Hey man, how's it going? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you. For those who don't know, Brandon and I go back probably seven years since like the first e-commerce fuel that Andrew Udarian put on. Yep. A long time ago here in Austin, Texas. And it's been fun to kind of watch him grow his business and battle through the challenges of building a business uh, along the years and sharing some stories. And, and most importantly, he's grown a beard out. Yeah, man. I couldn't resist. You just <laughs> had a huge influence on me. Well, you look good. I mean, you look Thanks, good with man. that beard. I mean, you look good without the beard as well. So it's either way you go, you're going to look good. But uh, why don't you give our listeners a quick rundown of what Two Big Feet is? So Two Big Feet is a company I founded with a partner back in 2000. We specialize in large men's shoes, size 14 and up, as big as we can find them. So uh, 20, 21, we've had 24s in the past. Uh, to give you a point of reference, Shaq's usually a 21, 22. So 24 is quite the size. Yeah, man. And someone bought it. Yeah, we sold quite a few of them, actually. What? Yeah. So we've been going for 21 years now. This April was 21 years in business. 21 years in e-commerce is crazy. But I'm also blown away by, like, I guess, how many people stock a 24-size shoe? Is it just you guys? Very few. In fact, we don't have them right now because we can't find anybody to make them. Right. And the problem that we had back in, in 99 when we started talking about the idea, I was working with a guy at a company in my first real job out of high school. And it was in the office next to me. And he came over one day and he's like, you know, I've got this crazy idea to start a website. Can you build a website? And I was like, what are you talking about? Because one, I had never built a website. And two, I had no idea what he was wanting to do with this crazy idea. But he told me a story about how when he was growing up in South Georgia, they lived in Albany, Leesburg area very rural, and uh, they would drive to the next biggest metropolitan area to find shoes because nobody locally had anything close to his size. He was a size 16, and his mom would drive him to Atlanta, to Birmingham, to all these big cities within you know a day's drive there and back to find shoes, and it got so bad that when he was in high school, he would literally go spend an entire day looking for shoes in these big cities, and he would walk in store after store after store, and he would go up to the person and learn to not he look at the shoes and say, you know, do you have this or do you have this? He would just go straight up to the guy at the shoe store and say, do you have anything in a size 16? And they would rummage around in the back for a few minutes. They would come back with some three, four, five season old, you know, gaudy basketball high top. And that's what he was wearing because it was the only thing available. Yeah. So that was kind of the, you know, idea behind, you know, building an online business because there's no market in a small town or a regional city for, you know, somebody to stock all this stuff. And so he said, you know, we, we should just build a business where we can cater to these guys who can't find their size in a store. 
And this is before, you know, everybody bought stuff online and that, and it started from there and grew to where we are now. Yeah. So everyone serves the average person and then you serve the people who are not average, who are not average, above average people. You know, you, you've got such an interesting story and I know you've got a lot of stories to tell over the past 21 years. I'm six foot five. I'm a tall dude. You are not a tall dude. So like talk about how you can maintain a passion for this business, not being the intended customer. And also, how did you end up just you running the company? So we went off, made the business in 2000, started very bootstrapped, ah. I would say. Uh, we did actually get a startup loan from the SBA. It was like $50,000, just you know, tiny right. by any measurable standards. And we pulled all of the rest of our money, like credit cards, maxed everything out, got a little personal loan from a family friend. I mean, like literally everything we could pull together. And all total, we probably had like maybe 90 grand. And by the time we leased a warehouse and bought some shelving and inventory and computers and tables and stuff, I mean, you know, it's like three months, it's gone. Yeah. Well, 2002, you didn't have Shopify. No, I mean, we were paying like thousands of dollars for, you know, this really crappy CGI shopping cart kind of thing. So, and banner ads because there was no PPC. So we got started and struggled for quite a few years, three, four, five years. It was always, you know, just not big enough to support two people. And my business partner came to me in late 2006 and said, you know, like, look, there's, there's no money. There's no inventory. Let's just file bankruptcy. Let's just get rid of it. Let's just call it. I'm done. It was a good idea, but it didn't work. And I was very deep in personal debt because I've been, you know, financing my life for the last several years on credit cards as well. So I just didn't want to. It was just a, it was a pride and a personal belief thing that I didn't feel like it was right yeah. To just file bankruptcy. So we worked out a deal where, you know, we took over a majority of the debt and the full ownership of the business. My wife and I became business partners and again, started from like scratch in 2007 and, you know, clawed our way back. We paid off vendors, a few hundred thousand dollars in vendor debt, paid off some other suppliers and uh, creditors. And, you know, in a few years had gotten to the point where we could actually start reinvesting in the business and reinvesting in inventory. And really started growing. And for you know seven or eight years, we doubled in size almost every year. And that was really rewarding. But that's how I became sole owner or with my wife owners. And my business partner kind of took a, a leave of the business. We're still really good friends, talk all the time. In fact, I send him samples and new shoes to try and all kind of stuff all the time. And just talked to him a week ago. So he's still kind of involved as a former founder of mm-hmm. the business, I would say. And I lean on him for advice since he's got a big foot. And I don't, but it is difficult to not just passion, but, you know, to understand the relevance. And one of the things that I do pretty regularly, partly out of necessity, but mostly because I like to, is I answer the phones, Mm -hmm. you know, and I talk to our customers. I've always taken the really bad phone calls. I let the customer, you know, service people. Yeah, where they're ready to chew your ear off. Yeah, I tell them if somebody's being hostile, if somebody's whatever, just, you know, it's okay, just send it to me or I'll call them back or whatever. I'm happy to handle that. And customers tend to not give me the same attitude they give a little customer service mm-hmm. representative. But I also love talking to our customers. And when they tell us, you know, we're the only place that they've ever found that has things that they need in stock and we ship it to them and they get it in two or three days. And when a guy, you know, is a size 17 and he needs something for work, you know, maybe he's been laid off for a few months and he gets a new job and they say, you know, OSHA requires you to come to work with a steel toe pair of boots. You know, if you don't find it in stock, I mean, if you don't get it for two, three, four weeks, if it's back ordered or something, you could lose your job. You can't show up yeah. to a work site without, you know. So t- 
talking to customers really kind of cements, you know, the difference that we make. We're not just like a retailer that we just sell stuff that everybody else sells. You know, the guys that come to us don't really have other places that they can go. I mean, sometimes you can get a pair of tennis shoes here, or you can get a pair of sandals there, or whatever. But a lot of the things that we sell, the guys need for work or to go to a wedding or a funeral, or if they can't get it, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. And, and it's a struggle that they've had to deal with their whole life. So talking to them really reminds me of the, the things that we do and how important it is. And, and that usually gets me pretty excited about continuing to build the business. I want to go back to that 2006, 2007 timeframe, because first of all, most companies never make it to two years and to make it to six or seven years and struggling along the way, building up debt, kind of going the wrong direction. You know, what was the thing that helped right the ship and, and point it in the right direction when you kind of cleared up the relationship? Or was it just simply you're no longer like I want to say like fighting within the business, but I know like you have different visions among founders that can kind of just make the business go sideways. Or was there any kind of, you know, like new initiative that allowed you guys to get back above water? So I had a small consulting company that I started just out of necessity to pay my mortgage. And when everything happened, I sold that business and went to work full time for an ad agency to pay the bills. And, you know, had a lot of fun and did a lot of really cool stuff. But I was working, you know, 70 hours a week because I was working 40 hours a week at my job and then working 30 hours a week or whatever was left over to try to work on fixing the business. And with my wife's help, I mean, she was obviously working full time in the business. And then when we finally hired employees, but any kids at the time, too, or we did. We had two little kids. And the reason that she was able to do that was because they were going to preschool and going to school. And it gave us the opportunity, you know, for, she didn't have all day, but she would drop them off at the preschool half day kind of thing and go work for a few hours and then bring them back. I mean, my kids literally grew up in an e-commerce warehouse shipping shoes. Yeah. So the benefit is, I mean, we could just lock the door and go take them to a kid's activity and come back and the orders would still be there waiting to ship. So it was like the best way to you know be with the kids and spend time and, and still have the time to build the business. But yeah, we just, I mean, we didn't take a dime out of the business for probably for more than five years. We reinvested 100%, and I called every one of our vendors that we had massive debts with, and I was like, look, we're either going out of business and filing bankruptcy, or you can work with us, and we'll pay you back every dime that we owe you, but we've got to have inventory to sell. And so, you know, we negotiated with every one of them. It was different with everyone, but one of them might be, you know, for every $1,000 we buy in inventory, I'll pay $200 towards our old debt. Or, or something like that, and to get them to actually ship us shoes again because we were so far in the rears. I mean, we were like, wasn't like 90 days or something. I mean, we were, you know, some of these vendors, we had six months in debt that hadn't been paid. And almost everyone, we had a couple close our account, and those were the last ones we paid back, you know. Yes. You know, who cares? And uh, everybody else was super willing to work with us, and they were great. And some of those brands we still sell today, and they've been great partners with us. And, you know, I'm proud that we paid back every dime that we owed anybody. Yeah. But it was a really long struggle. And, you know, if we hadn't screwed our credit up along the way, we might could have got a loan or something like that. But, you know, by that point, it was just so too far gone. Yeah. I want to kind of fast forward to now because, you know, you're 21 years in the game. I would imagine it would be really hard for you to find someone who's been doing the same business e-commerce for 21 years. Like, I feel like I got like the white whale here, you know, Moby Dick talking to me right now just super privileged to talk to someone who's been in the game so long but you're in a super niche market you know like the half of a half a percent 
something like that have feet this big you've hit some plateaus along the ways like talk about like one of the things that i always talk about at beard brand is like we need to have focus we need to to maximize our, our channel that we have then once we know we're we're at that channel then we pivot and try something else you know kind of talk about like how you attack your plateaus and your vision for breaking through them or you know the strategy and how it's you know going to be able to continue for the next 21 years well we've seen you know, a lot of changes in 21 years from banner ads and just keyword stuffing essentially with search engine optimization back then to the evolution of online advertising and then social media advertising and email marketing has had multiple waves of effectiveness over the years. It's been an interesting journey through both advertising space and just general consumer trends changing and Huge competitors like, I mean, Zappos, massive multi-billion dollar company owned by Amazon, largest shoe store in the world. And, you know, things change. And as margins have gotten a little tighter and these large marketplaces like Amazon just, I mean, it's not feasible or possible for us to sell a lot of the 40 plus brands that we sell in our store on a third party marketplace. We have also struggled. Our customers ask us for products that we can't provide because a lot of people, the first thing that they cut when times are bad you know, in 09, 10, 11, and now uh, with, with all the global supply chain issues, you know, the first thing that they cut when things get really bad is the fringe stuff. They go back to their core competency and the core sizing. And so a lot of our brands are either cutting our account totally or they're cutting styles that used to be made in big sizes. So our strategy is to build our own brand for guys with big feet and wide feet and make the things that are not really available, but that they're asking for. So we've been, you know, surveying and asking our customers a few hundred thousand, and we've been asking them what it is that they want, what do they need, what can't they find anywhere else. We've been looking at our competitors to see what they don't have, what is just not in the marketplace, and that's what we're going out and making. And we just got our first container of sandals and slippers a couple months ago. That's a lot of sandals and slippers because they're pretty small, huh? Well... I mean, ours are a little bigger. (laughs) They are quite large. You know, relative to boots, I should say. I think there are 3,000 or so pair in the container, 40-foot container. Okay. And have you launched that yet? We have. They are on our website at twobigfeet.com, and we've got our own brand, Michael Ellis. So we've got michaelellis.com. And we had hoped for a few more styles than just the strap sandal and the house slipper, but manufacturing overseas and supply chain issues and COVID woes, about 2,000 of the 3,000 pair are not up to par. So not worth putting your brand on. Not worth putting the brand on. This is where you have the Amazon brand for a different competitor, and that's where the 2,000 go. <laughs> yeah, we have to like scratch off the yeah. brand name and like restamp them or something. Yeah, yeah. Just put like basics on there or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Unless that's trademark. You're not a big Amazon fan either, huh? You know, I'm like, We're going to sell on Amazon, and I think it's a really big opportunity to find guys with large feet because Amazon has hundreds of millions of customers. Like everybody in the U.S. is a freaking prime member, right? Mm -hmm. But no, I think business practices-wise and margin-wise, it's not a great place. So we're hoping to find a way to successfully sell on Amazon and build the brand. You know, the volume could allow us to design and make more shoots. Right. So, I mean, if we had to sell them all on our website with a few hundred thousand of our customers, the inventory turns would be so slow that we'd be making like a couple styles a year. 
And so there's a potential that, you know, Amazon could accelerate that and allow us to just make more styles and it will be less profitable. But in the end, the goal is to be able to fund the manufacturing to make all of the styles that we know our customers want that just aren't in the marketplace right now that you can't buy. Yeah. What does the market look like globally? Is 90% of your customers here in the States or is there opportunity across the pond? We have a lot of international customers, but the shipping costs have made it cost prohibitive for them to buy from us. So we do have quite a few. Australia has some pretty good rules on like really light tariffs. You have to have ordered $1,000, I think, Mm -hmm. to actually put a tariff on shoes and stuff. But the shipping costs are almost as much as the shoes. So we have customers that will order once a year. They'll order three or four pair. And, you know, they'll pay $400 for the shoes and $300 for shipping. Oh, man. In Australia. I'm dating myself, but we went to Australia early in the the beard brand business, probably like 2014 or 15, looking to set up a fulfillment center there. And at the time, it was just as expensive to ship within Australia as it was to ship from Spokane. Wow. I want to say just as expensive. Maybe it was like a dollar or $2 difference. And it's just like Australia, their cost of everything is astronomical. I mean, it's really every European country too. I mean, we can't ship anywhere now with all the you know different tariffs to different countries and it's getting a little bit more complicated. But our biggest country is Canada. Second is probably Australia. Canada is a little more affordable to ship to, but the total cost ends up being about the same as shipping to Australia because they have all the tariffs. Yeah. I mean, it's like between the taxes and duties and everything that they charge and then the brokerage fees for UPS to take it in. It's like almost the same thing. Yeah. So we could probably do, you know, 30, 40% of our business internationally if we could find an affordable way to get it to them. But, you know, it's not worth starting a fulfillment center in Europe or anything. Right. I guess the question is going back to the plateaus, you know, like how long do you stay at a plateau kind of like suffer through that time period before you actually know that this is a plateau and it's not just like a speed bump? Well, so we were growing, we doubled in size a few years and then it dropped to like 50 and then 30%. And then when we hit sub 10% growth, like we were in the low seven figures. And, you know, when you do 4% growth in a year and you're really like at the time we were spending tons of money, like I was hiring a marketing director and spending money on like Facebook ads and Google ads. And, you know, like our marketing budget was pushing up as a percentage of revenue. And we were trying to bring in all these new brands and we were beefing up inventory. And like, we're doing all the right things to like position ourselves for growth. And the growth never came. Like it didn't matter what Facebook ads we ran or what Google ads. Like, you know, at some point when you ramp the budget up and sales don't go up, you realize maybe there's not a lot more people actively searching. And our problem is part of it is that we have a hard time with a lot of online advertising mediums because they're product focused and not attribute focused. Like in Google uh, product listing ads, there's no way for us to segment out that you sell this new balance, you know, five, seven, four or whatever, but we don't want anybody who has a size nine to see the ad. So there's a lot of things that we just can't effectively do. So we have to lean on inbound, you know, people who are actively searching size 17 new balances or whatever. So we just, we hit a limit, you know, and it just, it made us realize that, you know, A, our our market is a finite size. You know, there's a small number of guys out there with big feet, but it also kind of opened up a new opportunity that, you know, yes, if we're selling other people's stuff, there's a limit, you know, to what we can do. But if we made our own, then we've got more channels that we can sell on, you know, third-party marketplaces and things like that. And we've got another product that we don't currently have on our website that our current customers need. 
So we're only going after the products that we see a need for. So like dress shoes, we're working on dress shoes. We're going to Leon, Mexico, working with a couple of factories down there to design a pair of dress shoes because, you know, like for years we sold Allen Edmonds and a lot of our customers thought they were too expensive and they, they're very expensive, but they're very well-made shoes, but they've not been focusing on those big sizes anymore. And even when they did, it was like, you know, really hard to get them. I mean, like they put the production of like size 17s at the very, very end of the list for everything else. So, you know, we want to make a good quality dress shoe that's affordable and, you know, up to 60 width, up to size 20 that, you know, we just have it in stock for customers when they need it. Cause like if you're a big guy and, you know, there's a death in the family or your kid's getting married, like you don't have 12 weeks to wait for somebody to custom make you a pair, even if you had the money to pay for it. Right. right. I want to circle back to one of the words you said. SEO and keyword stuffing. Because I feel like, you know, that might be one of your best opportunities is you're doing all these long tails. Have you gone that route and just had like a page, like, you know, size 17 New Balance, and then you have a little blog article about it with some of your product listings? Or is that an opportunity that y'all have tackled? We have been working on our SEO for 21 years. So yeah, I don't do a lot of reports anymore because they were all kind of the same. You know, like we work on some bigger keyword phrases. So I do that with anything that I think we can corner a little segment of the marketplace. So for instance, we do a lot of work and one of the industries that we cater to is people who work in the restaurant and service industry. They need non-slip, really good non-slip. It's even more important if you're kind of a heavier or large guy. So we created a you know large size restaurant shoes page. And it ranks really well in Google. And we currently only have about four shoes that we really recommend. But, you know, we've got those options for people up to size 18 wide, I think. And it ranks really well and it gets on the number one page. Heck, our size chart gets more traffic than our homepage. Hmm. You know, and at last I checked, it was on the first page for measure your shoe size on Google. Like just in general, not even big sizes. And so, I mean, obviously that you segment that traffic out, it's not converting. But, right. <laughs> but um, we've done pretty well with the organic and that's been the biggest driver of growth for us, that and PPC and then email. And at the very, very distant, distant last, like social media advertising, like Facebook. Right. What other kind of like organic channels are available to you? Like, do you need to record? Like I'm thinking as Beard Brand has leaned into video so much, like, is there a dude probably your former business partner with giant feet. And then you just like buy small shoes and have them like try to put them in there or some kind of weird, interesting content. We are talking to an influencer. He's about your height. He's an Atlanta guy. I'm not going to mention his name yet, but we would love to partner with him. He's a young guy. And, you know, I'm sending him some of our new shoes as they come out and some samples because I'd like for him to maybe be, I don't know if you call it a spokesperson or we just partner and do stuff, but he's huge on YouTube and TikTok. And yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity to do some really fun stuff with that and get in front of people because, you know, guys seven foot tall walking around, it, it's a lot of attention. And obviously a lot of his followers are not big footed guys, right. but he gets a lot of those guys that ask him like, dude. I got the same problem. Where do you find this? Where do you find this? What do you do about this problem? You know, so he's starting to build that audience. And I think partnering with somebody like that could be a real big benefit to us to help us find people or just, you know, also give a little brand recognition and show the quality of our stuff. I mean, if he reviews it, you know, maybe if, I mean, as long as he likes it, as long as it's good, yeah, you know, that gives us some validity in the marketplace, I guess. I think what's really exciting about that is because you guys are so niched down that, you know, like what kind of options does he have? You know, like the reality is someone with giant feet, they don't have good options. And if you have a brand that actually cares for him, 
and carries stuff and like supports them like it's almost like why wouldn't he do it and, and why wouldn't he even do it like at cost you know like or or whenever those recommendations come in it's like yeah check out two big feet they're here for us big feet of people above average people yeah above average i love that yeah i mean we we hope to find more influencers that are in that boat you know i guess the problem is being a fraction of a percent of the population that you know you're a fraction of the percent of the influencers and a fraction of the percent of the ad buys and I mean like really it makes it difficult to find your customer base in anything other than Google search kind of thing where they're just so frustrated they go type in a search phrase so that's something we've struggled with for a long time but we're also looking at video like we toyed with video ourselves just to show product reviews and to talk to customers about what's going on in the company and you know maybe show off samples as and I'd love to you know maybe even do TikTok talk and as I'm going to the factories I'll be in India in three weeks visiting factories in Mexico after that hopefully before the end of the year you know maybe do some live streams or at least little recorded tidbits that we can upload and let our customers kind of see what we're up to and keep them informed a little bit about what we're doing so they can give us their feedback and you know get excited about something that's coming down the line yeah like there's got to be some kind of fun way where you get this giant who's like seven foot tall and then you find a couple like really short people who are you know like sub five foot or and and then just like have them do different challenges or like you know tall versus short or something like that then you come out find a picture so one one of our customers one time was the guinness world record holder at one point in his life for the tallest man in the world oh and he was a cab driver in miami at that point he was kind of getting a little older but he met us when we were at a shoe show in Miami and I'm six, two, my business partner is six, four. And this guy made us look like we were kindergartners. <laughs> he just, just towered over us. So I'll have to find the picture and post it to our website. It was so funny, but yeah, I always remember just like you and I, we're, we're fairly tall people. Like we're way above average, you know? And like when you're taller than 90% of the oh, people right. the whole life, and then you meet somebody that like Shaq or something that's so much taller than you. It's just kind of surreal. It is kind of weird to think about it because, you know, I get the, you're so tall all the time. And then, you know, like as a tall person, you kind of tire of that. And then when me as a tall person meets the other tall person, I can't not say like, <laughs> so it's all dude. Like, so I just kind of like add to that, like self-fulfilling, I don't know, meme or whatever it is. Well, that's exciting, man. Like where can people find out more about your business? I know you're a Twitter user as well. Follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter as Beely, B-E-L-E-Y. Of course, we have all the social channels at Two Big Feet and Michael Ellis. So if you visit twobigfeet.com or michaelellis.com, you'll find our official social media profiles there where we post about new products and shoes that are coming out, all the styles that we have. Yeah, sweet, man. Well, check out Two Big Feet. Support Brandon. If you're a tall dude, then check him out. And then follow him on Twitter. He's a great guy. He's a longtime friend. He's been, I mean, 21 years of e-commerce. He's a great resource on what's available, what's out there. And uh, someone who I've been trying to get on this podcast for many, many, many months and uh, finally had this opportunity. So I'm very fortunate that you came by and uh, appreciate you, man. Thanks, man. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. All right, guys, this has been another e-commerce conversations. Hope you guys were able to pick up a nugget or two. If you haven't given this uh, show a five-star review, then go ahead and do that now. If you don't want to give a five-star review, then don't do that. That'd be great. As always, cheers and keep on growing.